Good afternoon. Happy Thursday. We're glad you're joining us today on the Pillars of Franchising, where we have our special guest today, Dr. John Hayes, and we are talking about the new show, The Franchise Hot Seat. We're going to learn much more about that and the exciting results that they've had right after this with Sarah Spain and Word on the Street. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kristen. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, today, I was hoping that you would tell me about um, my support system when I'm starting up a franchise. Who is going to help me? Who's going to support me? What, are you, what is my franchisor going to give me? Well, that's a great question. And the first thing that people have to realize is when you decide to buy a franchise, that's just the beauty of it, right? Is that they have proven systems. They have to come to the table, so to speak, with manuals, um, not only just operational manuals, but training manuals. They need to have all the financials planned out for you. And part of what you'll find in the franchise disclosure document, we frequently refer to it just as the FDD, um, is item 11, which talks about the responsibilities and obligations that the franchisor has to the franchisee and the obligations that the franchisees have to the franchisor. So um, often in there, what you'll find is that they can get help with the finding and remodeling or build outs of their facilities, which is very important because we want to make sure that everybody is successful. And of course, the franchisor understands that probably better than anybody based on their models. Um, we expect them to give us pre-opening checklists, right? So that they have exactly kind of a, um, a plan book or playbook, so to speak, like you would in sports. Um, often there's remodeling that might be necessary. We've talked a lot about Subway and some of the things that have been going on with them and the constant remodels, re-signing, things of that nature. Again, they'll help you with negotiating a lease, any necessary equipment, sign packages, inventory. Um, most franchises, when you open, they have an opening day package for you. So when you go to your office, you may get, for example, we had computers, a printer. We knew exactly how many cars we needed to have, um, how they needed to be logoed. And you also frequently get, we're a little wackadoodle over there. We also happen to get um, a lot of vendor support. So they reach out, they let some of the, the marketing people know that you're there, then you can touch base with them. They're familiar with the brand. They already have the artwork. So there really is quite a bit. I will say to people who've not been into business before or they have not been involved in franchising, this is a big opportunity to really look at the brands closely before you decide and make sure based on the confidence you have in yourself, your previous background that you have, that the model will work for you based on the level of support that they have. Um, most brands have business coaches out in the field. So let's say, Sarah, you get open and you're like a year down the road and things are going fine, but you need to tighten up some of your key performance indicators. That's where a business coach might come in, work with you on your KPIs, talk about all of the costs that you have, where you might save money, operational issues that might be out there. Um, again, franchising is all about being in it together. And so I think that's one of the best parts about it is that you should expect quite a bit of support from your franchisor. And uh, who's the best person to ask about that? The people who own the brand already, right? So yeah. when you're doing your validation calls, ask those mm -hmm. kind of questions. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you, Kristen. You're welcome. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks. Caught me with my mute on. Sorry about that. <laughs> me too, almost. Good to have everyone. Yeah. 
good to hear have everybody here today and uh, we want to welcome uh, Dr. John Hayes from uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University and Dr. John, I've known you for a while now, and your resume is so darn long, I could not do it justice. So can I impose upon you to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course, Jerry. It's nice to be with you, and I appreciate it. I'm at Palm Beach Atlantic University, right downtown, West Palm Beach. Uh, The university is about 54, 55 years old, and a few years ago, got an endowed fund that allowed the university to start offering a concentration in franchising. And as far as I know, there's no other university anywhere that offers a concentration in franchising. It's not a major, not a minor, but the next level is the concentration in franchising. It requires 12 credit hours for a student to complete that. And we are educating the future generation for franchising by offering three academic courses in franchising and then a franchise internship, which is 90 hours. And when those students leave the university, they'll have a degree in marketing, management, finance, accounting, or international business, communications, leadership, political science. So whatever major they want, they couple franchising with it. That makes them so much more valuable to employers because employers are gonna say to the marketing major, What can you do for me? Right out of college, really not much. Uh, But when they have a concentration in franchising, they're ready to go to work in the franchise space. We've graduated 51 students to date. Another 65 are returning, maybe closer to 70, returning to the campus in August for the fall semester to continue uh, their progress in earning a concentration in franchising. More than 100 students to date have been in one of my franchise classes. And as I always explain to them, this gives you the leverage if you want a job. And 97% of my students, they're Gen Zs. They don't want a job. They want to be a business owner. And so far, uh, seven of our graduates, and I know two more in the works, have become franchisees. Pretty impressive. An amazing advisory board of uh, close to 100 franchise professionals who help support what we do. And it's been an amazing opportunity. Well, John, I'll tell you, um, having uh, known you for a couple of years now and met many of the uh, young people that have gone through your program, I think it's uh, brilliant. I think it's much needed in the franchising space. I think you're literally changing the world of franchising by helping bring in uh, these Generation Zs who uh, are learning franchising from you, and then they're also getting opportunities to learn it from from franchisees and franchisors and couple, you know, the college learning as well as the actual on-the-street learning and so on. I think it's brilliant, and it's only going to continue to help improve franchising overall. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. Um, Today we're going to focus primarily on the – franchise the uh the hot seat show and uh i wanted to let you talk a little bit about that i've watched some of the episodes where you're allowing emerging brands to come on and uh be in front of some industry professionals that uh you know will listen to the story and give them some critique and so on so can you share a little bit more about that well thank you for that and in the heart of the uh pandemic actually closer to the beginning 
we came up with this idea that why don't we do a Zoom version of um, Franchise Hot Seat, which puts a franchisor into the hot seat, puts them in front of uh, all on Zoom, our dream team, let the dream team hear about their business, and then the dream team will comment on what they're doing right, what they're not doing. So, well, uh, the dream team would have opportunities to invest or to uh, to recommend that that franchisor think about uh, another investor who who the dream team members knew or some of the dream team provided financing, marketing, etc. So we started out, we did two seasons of that, I think 16 or 17 shows. We recorded them on Zoom, uh, put them all on our franchise uh, YouTube channel, on the, on the Franchise Hot Seat YouTube channel, where they are today. And College 101 was one of our first episodes. And uh, Class 101, not College 101, Class 101, and Woofies. And both of them uh, have been acquired by private equity, and not because of the franchise hot seat, although they've given us great testimonials telling us about how useful that experience was because they got to speak to a dream team of seasoned professionals who would take time to say, here's what you ought to think about doing differently with your marketing or the kinds of franchisees you're bringing on. Well, we changed it all up in season three. We went live in a studio. We recorded eight new episodes and uh, they are, six of them are currently on YouTube. We've been releasing one episode per week during the summer and uh, we've been getting some great results. From, John, uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about, you mentioned the dream team several times. Can you share with yeah. us who's on the dream team? They are franchise professionals. Kristen Pillars of Franchising is represented on our dream team. Ray Titus, who uh, gave Palm Beach Atlantic University a million and a half dollars a few years ago to endow the Titus Center for Franchising. John Clancy, a three-brand franchisee, 45 Planet Fitnesses, 35 Smoothie Kings, um, owns also uh, a third concept, um, slipping my mind at the moment, but he's a franchisee. So he's got about 130 units, most of them not in Florida where he lives. He's a supporter of uh, Buff City Soap, by the way, is what I was thinking of. He owns, I think, 35 of those. And uh, John is in Florida, supports Titus Center, has a son who attends Palm Beach Atlantic University. And then Patrick McGee is a um, partner in MPK Equity based in Dallas. He's looking from a private equity point of view, uh, looking for brands that they would want to um, acquire. Uh, Kristen is, uh, as I said, a fourth member of that dream team. And then we bring in guests as well. Uh, Sherry Sieber, for example, from FranFund has guested a couple of times with the, the dream team. Robin Gagnon as well has done so. Um, so we, we've got a great mix of people who represent franchisees and franchisors and have a great deal of information about franchise development, about international development, about marketing, about training and support. And they really pour their hearts out and give these 
these presenters, these emerging franchisors, a, a great chunk of wisdom that the franchisor can go put to use. Well, John, you touched on it with private equity, but even taking that a step further, you know, uh, back 10, 15 years ago, uh, investor level franchisees were not necessarily looked up to by franchisors. Franchisors wanted you to own one or two locations and, you know, be working in them. And that has evolved to the point where, well, it, look at me. I own uh, I own great clips. I don't know a thing about cutting hair. I own the joint chiropractic. I am not a chiropractor. And yet I have the opportunity to make those scalable for the franchisor by, you know, investing and guiding uh, my people and putting the whole structure together so that, uh, you know, I can easily run 30, 40, 50, as you mentioned, a few of your uh, hot seat uh, panel do in other brands. So by introducing the public, I guess, to that concept through the franchise hot seat, you're also opening up a whole new gamut of investors looking at it from the franchisee side. So that's good not only for them, but also for the franchisors, the emerging brands that are trying to you know, grow quickly. So I think that's a thing that might be just a kind of overlooked in the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, we, we get lots of uh, contacts from people who are interested in these specific brands that are open to investor operators and investor money. Um, Kiddo Kinetics, the, the first one that we released about six weeks ago on YouTube, uh, that's what they're gearing for. Uh, and so is uh, uh, Commercial Investors Group. Mike Sowers is the CEO of that, and he's looking for investors. Uh, so they're not all at that level, uh, but there's more interest today in finding the investor than there's ever been before. You know, uh, one of the things I was thinking about, you, you've gone through three different seasons and you've heard from a lot of different franchisors and a lot of their stories and where they are. Um, yeah. Have you, you know, have you picked up some kind of common themes that you see uh, from yes. each of each of these uh, franchisors? Yes. Good question. Thank you. You know, it's number one is marketing, marketing for franchise development. It's not an easy business today and marketing for consumers to attract them to your brand to help your franchisees. And that's where the dream team on several occasions, like with Richard's painting, they took him to task because when he talked about his marketing spend, they said, that's, that's just way too little money. You have to step it up. And until you, you're not going to sell more franchises until you do. Uh, but marketing has become complex. And that's where these Gen Z graduates out of Palm Beach Atlantic are, they, they understand today's marketing better than some of uh, you know my my colleagues and people who have been in franchising for 15, 20 years. Uh, it's a new marketing scheme today. They see it as a game, and uh, they they want to go play the game. So the, these young people are going to be very valuable uh, to franchisors, and that's where that's the biggest area where franchisors are lacking. But then also, and how do you make a franchisee successful? The training and support side, which has always been um, a big topic and uh, a major topic in franchising and has to be for obvious reasons. If you don't get successful franchisees, you're not going to get validation. 
So when they're starting out and they've only got six, seven, ten franchisees, and the dream team wants to know, well, who's making money and who isn't, uh, they zero in on the franchisor's ability to make sure they take care of those franchisees. So again, that's a skill set. And not all franchisors have that. Well, and it also comes down to money. Uh, you know, most emerging brands don't have enough revenue to add a VP of education, a VP of real estate, a VP of construction, right. and so on. So the owners may be trying to fill all of those roles and still get the business going and all that kind of stuff. So having uh, critiques from experienced people showing them where those holes are that are going to cause issues for franchisees, I think is critical. Yeah, absolutely. And these uh, well, folks, now, who have... go ahead, Jerry. I was just going to say, and I wanted to ask you another question, and that was related to what kind of feedback are you getting for the pe- from the people setting in the hot seat, the emerging brands, on w- how they adjusted and changed their trajectory and, and so on based on the critiques that they're getting from the, from the panel? There were uh, a few occasions, and uh, Kristen was, uh, wit- was there when some of these happened, where the Dream Team, you know, they're not there to give their, their uh, kind words only. They're there to help this franchisor understand the business of franchising. And um, if they gotta, if, if, if they got to be blunt, they're blunt. And sometimes I think, ouch, you know, this, uh, this young <laughs> franchisor, how are they going to take that? And nobody has uh, walked off the set. They've, uh, they've taken the punches and they've commented like Mike Sowers when he, when it was over, he said, I see why they call it the hot seat because they took him to task in a number of ways. But he went home and called me later and said, I am rethinking everything as a result of my hot seat experience and couldn't thank me enough. Richard's painting, uh, the same thing from him. The, um, the folks at um, Get Simple Box, Ross Black, he got some rough comments uh, based here in Jupiter, Florida, and uh, he's working through those. So it, it's a great service that the Dream Team provides, and it doesn't cost anything to this emerging franchisor to, to come on and tell their story. So it's it's been great advice that they're probably not going to get any other way. So, John, um, I'm curious, what's your process for for attracting and vetting the franchisors that sit on this hot seat? Yeah. So I do all that uh, myself. And uh, when we're gearing up for the next season, it's a daily task because just through LinkedIn, but then also uh, through people who are working with emerging franchisors and know about the hot seat, they're contacting me. Um, more, more concepts than I can handle. And many times they're not far enough along. They, they don't even have a franchisee. Well, we're, we're not going to give a hot seat opportunity to, we did, I think, in season one. That doesn't make sense today. So we want them to have at least a half dozen franchisees and maybe to have a, a year or two of experience at this. And then they've got to produce a three to five minute um, video that sort of is their audition video. Because if they can't hold an audience, they can't get a story out, 
Uh, they can't tell their story succinctly. Well, we can't put them in the show because uh, we we let people tell their story, whatever their story is. We don't script it in any way, but it's got to be concise. And, you know, so I do work with them to prep them once they're selected. Well, John, I have a comment and then a final question for you. Um, according to the International Franchise Association, there's about 600 new franchisors born every year. So you should not ever have a shortage of potential franchisors <laughs> to come on your show. Right. So my, my, wrap, my final question as we wrap this up, what's next for you, John, uh, on the franchise hot seat? What's the plans moving forward? How are you going to continue to grow this and expand it and get the word out? Give us yeah. a little uh, forewarning as to what we can expect. Yeah. Well, starting uh, next week, we go to Twitter. So we have not established the hot seat on the Twitter platform. Now we are. And uh, starting next uh, Monday, I believe, every Monday, we will release on Twitter a new episode. And then in September, we are doing a live after show analysis on LinkedIn, LinkedIn Live. So we'll be doing that for eight weeks starting in September. So we are really milking all of these programs uh, in numerous <laughs> ways to get exposure. And, you know, we've got like Richard's painting. I, I saw today more than 27,000 views of wow. his episode. And that's, uh, that's great. But we'd like to see that be 200,000 views of his episode. So we're going to continue working season three and getting as much out of it as we can. And uh, then we'll talk about a season four, whether we'll move to that, uh, if that'll be our next step. I'm not sure. I'm anxious to see the September version. I want to see uh, what goes on after the show and how that all works out. I think that would be interesting. John, uh, for Karen and I, for all of us here at Pillars, and frankly, for franchising overall, we want to thank you and Palm Beach Atlantic for everything you're doing. And uh, we can't wait for the next time you come on the show and really you know, give us what's new down at Palm Beach Atlantic and the uh, and the curriculum you're working on. Thank you so much. Thanks all of you as well. It was great. Yeah, thank you. Keep us informed. Sounds exciting. Thank you for joining us on Pillars of Franchising today. I'd like to give a special shout out to Jerry Akers, Karen Kimsey Sword, Ray Pillar, Laura Liss, our franchise lawyer, Andrea Mundy, and a special thank you to Fred McMurray, our producer. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. And remember, we are your resource for franchising success. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. Have a great week. Pillars of Franchising.